0: We will read Psalm 48. In the liturgy sheet that you have, you see there that the theme for the Lord's Supper celebration is called Mountains, the Scene of Salvation Events. And the scripture readings have to do with God's Uh, Present at mountain sites, Psalm 48 is one of them, and um, we will also sing after reading Psalm 48, Psalm 125, where we again have references to mountains. I will say a little bit more about that just before, uh, just after we celebrated the first table. But let us uh, focus then upon uh, the psalms and scripture references where mountains play an important part in salvation events. Psalm 48 is a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion, in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assemble. They come together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took flight. Trembling, took hold of them there, anguished as of a woman in labor. By the east wind, you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever." We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. That's far the scripture reading. Let us now sing Psalm 125. Brothers and sisters, our focus on God and our uh, uh, redemption, his redeeming work, uh, comes to us this morning in the Lord's Supper form and in the reading from Scripture at the tables. Let us now then turn to the Lord's Supper form as you find it on page 603 of the Book of Praise. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper has been instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of this institution as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. In order that we may now celebrate this Holy Supper for the, uh, of the Lord to our comfort, we must first rightly examine ourselves. Further, we must use it as Christ intended it, namely to his remembrance. True self examination consists of the following three parts First, let everyone consider his sins and accursedness, so that he, detesting himself, may humble himself before God. For the wrath of God against sin is so great that he could not leave it unpunished, but has punished it in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, by the bitter and shameful death on the cross. Second, let everyone search his heart whether he also believes the sure promise of God that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is freely given him as his own as if he himself had fulfilled all righteousness. Third, let everyone examine his conscience, whether it is his sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with his entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy to live with his neighbor in true love and unity. God will certainly receive in grace all who are thus minded, and count them worthy to partake of the supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and of the Apostle Paul, we admonish all those who know themselves to be guilty of the following offensive sins, to abstain from the table of the Lord, and we declare to them that they have no part in the kingdom of Christ all who refuse to trust in the Lord alone or who serve him in their own manner, all who abuse the name of the Lord by cursing or in any other way, all who do not diligently attend to worship services and who despise the proclamation of God's word or the sanctity of the sacraments, all who are disobedient to their parents or to others in authority over them, all who violate human life or cherish hatred against their neighbor and refuse to be reconciled to him, all who either within or outside of holy wedlock do not keep their bodies pure, all who by stealing greed or extravagance lead a worldly life, all liars, backbiters, and slanderers. Briefly, all who either in word or conduct show themselves to be unbelieving by leading an offensive life. While they persist in their sins, they shall not take of this food, which Christ has ordained only for his believers. Otherwise, their judgment and condemnation will be the heavier. But all this, beloved brothers and sisters, is not meant to discourage broken and contrite hearts, as if only those who are without sin may come to the table of the Lord. For we do not come to this supper to declare that we are perfect and righteous in ourselves, On the contrary, we seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ, and in doing so, we acknowledge that we are dead in ourselves. We also are aware of our many sins and shortcomings. We do not have perfect faith, and we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. Daily, we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Yet by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are heartily sorry for these shortcomings and desire to fight against our unbelief and to live according to all the commandments of God. Therefore, we may be fully assured that no sin or weakness which still remains in us against our will can prevent us from being received by God in grace and from being made worthy partakers of this heavenly food and drink. Let us now consider for what purpose the Lord has instituted the Supper, namely that we should use it in remembrance of him. We are to remember him in the following manner. First of all, let us fully trust that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into this world according to the promises made from the beginning to the fathers in the Old Testament and that he assumed our flesh and blood. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life on earth, he bore for us the wrath of God, which, under which we should have perished eternally. By his perfect obedience, he has for us fulfilled all the righteousness of God's law. We remember in particular that the weight of the wrath of God caused by our sins pressed out of him sweat like drops of blood falling on the ground in the garden of Gethsemane. There he was bound that he might free us from our sins. He suffered countless insults that we might never be put to shame. Though innocent, he was condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. He even let his blessed body be nailed to the cross that he might cancel the bond which stood against us because of our sins. By all this, he has taken our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. On the cross, he humbled himself in body and soul to the very deepest shame and anguish of hell. Then he called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we might be accepted by God and never more be forsaken by him. Finally, by his death and the shedding of his blood, he confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, It is finished. In order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, during his last Passover, instituted the Holy Supper. He gave the bread and the cup to his disciples in remembrance of him. He taught us to understand that as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are reminded and assured of his hearty love and faithfulness toward us. It is a sure pledge that he has given us his body and shed his blood for us. Otherwise, we would have suffered eternal death. He nourishes and refreshes our hungry and thirsty souls with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life. As certainly as this bread is broken before our eyes and this cup is given to us and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that He directs our faith and trust to His perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross. It is the only ground for our salvation. Thereby He has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink in, of life eternal. For by His death we, He has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin. And obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. By this Spirit, who dwells in Christ as the head and in us as his members, we have true communion with him and share in all his riches, life eternal, righteousness and glory. By the same Spirit, we are also united in true brotherly love as members of one body. For the Apostle Paul says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. As one bread is baked out of many grapes, uh, grains and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all, incorporated in Christ by faith, are together one body. For the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now show, uh, now love one another and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. Finally, Christ has commanded us to celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. We receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised and look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. May the Almighty Heavenly God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ help us in this through His Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive all this, let us now humble ourselves before God in prayer and call upon Him in true faith. Let us pray. Merciful God and Father, We thank you that in this supper we cherish the blessed memory of the bitter death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we may entrust ourselves more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with his true body and blood. Yes, with him who is the only heavenly bread, that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in him. Let us so truly be partakers of the new and everlasting testament, the covenant of grace, that we do not doubt that you will forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing to us our sins, but providing us with all things for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us your grace that we may take up our cross joyfully, Deny ourselves and confess our Savior. Let us in all tribulation await our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to change our mortal body to be like his glorious body and take us to himself forever. Hear us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let us now profess our Catholic and doubted Christian faith. And we do so by singing hymn one. but lift our hearts on high in heaven, where Christ, our Advocate, is at the right hand of his Heavenly Father. Let us not doubt that we shall be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood through the working of the Holy Spirit, as truly as we receive the holy bread and drink in remembrance of him. As the table is being prepared and as we get ready for celebrating the Lord's Supper, let us sing together, Hymn 59, both stanzas. That's the account of the burning bush, Mount Horeb, at the burning bush where God made his presence known. Exodus 3, 1 through 6. There we read, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. for he was afraid to look at God. So there God showed his presence to his people, and we know that that is also the beginning of his covenant revelation there where his name Yahweh was revealed. Let us now sing Psalm 43, stanza 3, and note the line where it says that we talk about, sing there about God's holy hill and habitation. At this table, we will read from Deuteronomy, chapter 5, the verses 1 through 6, and that takes place at Mount Sinai, in the Sinai Peninsula, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, where God made his glory known through the law. So this is from Deuteronomy 5, and Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today. And you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make his covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And at the Lord's Supper celebration, we commemorate the fact that we have been redeemed from a larger slavery, the slavery through sin, through the work of Jesus Christ. Let us now sing hymn 11, the stanzas 1 and 2, where again the reference is to Sinai's mountain. Transfiguration, where the Lord God showed his um, purpose about having his son sent into this world. So this mountain doesn't have a name, but it is known to us as the mountain of the Transfiguration. Then we read, after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led him up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Now, this command of God to listen to his son certainly resonated because Peter refers to this event in his letter, first epistle, chapter 1, and which then also he uses to explain the truth of God's revelation. So we read 1 Peter 1, 16 through 21, where Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let us now sing from hymn 42, the stances 1 and 4, which speaks about Christ ascending higher than the mountains.